0: on kentucky your daily podcast on the kentucky wildcats part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right what's going on big blue nation welcome on into locked on kentucky your daily kentucky wildcats podcast i'm your host lance Dahl, writer for sports illustrated for various sec related things but on this podcast specifically we take a dive into all things kentucky athletics on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, it's going to be a lot of football, all football on today's episode. Going to be talking about Kentucky's 37-13 victory over the Miami Redhawks. Going to be breaking down what we saw, what, what we liked, what we didn't like. And then we're going to kind of briefly preview our thoughts about the Florida Gators. A very interesting matchup coming up this week uh, with the Gators. Going to be talking with Brandon Olsen of Locked on Gators. Actually, later on this week should be a relatively fun episode. But anyway talking about Kentucky's victory over Miami 37 to 13 was the final score if you did not get the chance to watch this game you think oh well it's a game that Kentucky you know they ended up covering uh the spread and it looks like they just kind of took care of business well at the half this was a 13 to 10 game it was uh it was it was close it was competitive it was a very interesting game up until the start of this second half, and uh, then Kentucky just kind of took control of things in the third quarter. Uh, had 17 points in the third quarter, and then that was just kind of all she wrote. Really kind of... I guess it's weird, the way that the game kind of played out, but for the past several years, and this is something that we we actually talked about with Aaron Gershon uh, of the Cats Paws over at 24-7. We talked about this with him last week when we were we were previewing this game. Kentucky in the Mark Stoops era, in their season openers, they've kind of won games with this kind of final score. In fact, I believe Aaron Gershon kind of predicted 38-17 was kind of where he was kind of sitting with this. 38-24 is where he was he was sitting with this uh, this final score, and he was pretty darn close. It's just, Kentucky kind of finds a way to win, and they get right around the spread. Uh, sometimes they cover, sometimes they don't. And it's just kind of an odd game the way that some things shake out, and this was uh, was no exception, although it's just standing by itself, in my opinion, it was a little bit of an odd game. There were some things that I was kind of surprised by, some things that we kind of expected. And then one of the things I want to get to here that I was actually kind of shocked by, the offensive line was not good. The offensive line was not good in this game. Will Levis was sacked four times. I, I, I don't know if that's counted correctly because I went back and watched the game again after watching it live and I thought it was five or at least there might have been a tackle for a loss that was not counted as a sack I don't know but the offensive line was not good in pass protection and it was in my opinion significantly worse uh establishing the run and, and I say in my opinion it's not it's not a revelation here Kentucky ran for 50 yards in this game I am I'm shocked that Kentucky ran for 50 yards in this game. If you had told me that they would not eclipse 100 yards rushing, I would have said Miami of Ohio covered. I would have said that the Red Hawks covered. And it was a close competitive game. But no, Kentucky found a way to win, and they did it through the air with a special team's touchdown as well, which we'll get to that later on in the show. The run game was non-existent. The offensive line was 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 bad. And I, haven't lo- I have not looked at the PFF numbers, and I should go take a look at them, but... I don't know if it's just like everybody's not 100% and they're just operating at a lower level right now. It was just it just simply wasn't there. It just simply wasn't there. And we talked about this in the preview episode, right? About how Miami's pass rush last year was actually pretty good, except the fact that most of the guys that, you know, got those sacks, created that production, they had graduated, they had moved on. And Miami still found a found a way to, you know, apply pressure to an SEC offensive line that's been, you know, really good for the past couple of seasons. They found a way to apply that pressure and to make things uncomfortable, and then they found a way to make the running game, Kentucky's staple, a non-existent factor in this matchup. 28 rushing yards in the first half, like I mentioned, 50 on the game. That's 1.9 yards per carry on 26 attempts. And we're going to get to the balance of this game later on in the show. But 1.9 yards per carry against a a school from the MAC is unacceptable. And if you had just told me that stat by itself, I would have assumed that this game went wrong, but it didn't. The reason it didn't go wrong, if we want to talk about a positive here, is Will Levis did Will Levis things. 21 of 32, over 300 yards, passing 303 to be specific. Three touchdowns, one interception. The the QBR there, 46, is um, not exciting. Not exciting, but it was. Uh, we, we definitely got to see some good moments in this game. The interception, the interception at the goal line was a was a forced throw, and so I don't want to say that nothing's changed because I definitely think that he's gotten stronger. I definitely think that there were some moments in this game where you like, okay, you see good decision making still. You see better decision making. You, you see really good footwork. To be honest with you, uh, timing was there. There there was that one play, and I think we're going to consistently see this throughout the season. I want to talk about this late in the show, where you have to ask yourself, does a turnover from Will Levis every single game prohibit Kentucky from getting to where they need to be? Because as of right now, I expect him to make one mistake every game. I want to talk about that in light of the Florida matchup later on in the show, but I was impressed with some of the things that he did, and then also... Did not like the forced throw on the goal line there. There was actually another one. That touchdown to Dane Key late, that could have been an interception. It was on the other side of the field, essentially the same kind of kind of throw to the, corner, to the front corner of the end zone. Really, really tight throw. I mean, if that's the way Kentucky wants to operate their offense and, and to make Will Levis make those throws, I mean, sure. But a sh- lot of opportunities for turnovers. And speaking about turnovers and shooting yourselves in the foot, Kentucky shot themselves in the foot twice in this game. Two trips to the red zone early in this game. Kentucky came away with three points. And I know that the tone so far has kind of been like upset with the Wildcats. They won. They covered. It feels great. But what I'm worried about right now is the matchup that looms large here in six days against the Gators. <laughs> because, guys, I don't know if you saw it. They beat Utah. They beat the number seven team in the country. You, you may say, oh, well, preseason rankings don't matter. You're right who cares about preseason rankings and whether or not a team's overrated or unrated. I still think Utah's a very good team, but Kentucky or excuse me, Florida found a way to beat them. So throughout this episode, I'm just going to be kind of reflecting on that. I guess it's, it's, it's not, it's not something that I'm, I think it's going to be a good game. I'll say that. I think it's going to be a good game. All right. Final note here before we move on the pass rush. And we're going to get to some, some more positive notes here later on the show, the pass rush. Um, Man, a lot of, a lot of this, is, I'm trying to pace myself as to how I approach some of these things because I don't want to come off too negative because, again, Kentucky won and they covered. And Miami's offense, I believe, had one trip inside the red zone. Three sacks for the Wildcats. Three sacks for the Wildcats in this game, if I'm not mistaken. All of them came from linebackers also, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have, I don't have that stat pulled up in front of me. It didn't seem like enough. Three sacks didn't seem like enough in this game. Brett Gabbert, the Miami quarterback, who, you know, played, he played well. He played how he could have played against an SEC defense, which, by the way, Kentucky's defense played played very well in this game. Some of the younger guys I'm really excited about. Brett Gabbert, though, 20 of 28, 166 yards passing, no touchdowns, no picks. Also had uh, over 30 yards rushing in this game. It's interesting. CBS says, like, 37 uh, ESPN says twenty eight. Regardless, he got out. Uh, he got out of the pocket several times in this game, and it felt like Kentucky should have been able to have brought him down in the backfield, and they just couldn't. They couldn't get to him. Inconsistent, I think, with pursuit angles and different things like that. And we'll see as the season goes on; those things kind of get better. I think. I think a lot of the things that we saw from today, including the offensive line, I think they improve. If I'm going to sit here and put a positive positive spin on it, it's game one. If you want to have things go wrong, uh, which it kind of feels like they did, especially with the offensive line and the rushing attack, because, whoa, 50 yards rushing, I'm still processing that as of right now. If you want things to go bad, you want them to go bad in the first game, right? You want to be able to kind of build and get better as a team as the year goes on. I think it's good that we've seen, we have seen—we saw flaws. We saw things that Kentucky can, can definitely adjust on. But, man, game two against Florida is going to be interesting. Before I get to some, some more positive takeaways, actually, from this game, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. If you haven't tried out Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And that's almost an exaggeration, except for the fact that Built Bar is not only absolutely delicious, but they are absolutely great for you. They are phenomenal. They've got some new flavors, actually, if you're watching here on Locked On Kentucky. We, you think that this Built Bar has been sitting here, and it's just the same one. It's not. It's a different uh, cookie dough chunk puff sitting here on the set. If you're listening on podcast, just have to describe it to you. Chewy texture. There's real cookie dough chunks in here, and it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's really, really good, and it's really, really good for you. Only 160 calories and a whopping 15 grams of protein. You can swap out your protein bars with these, and they are absolutely phenomenal. Again, I would really, really encourage you guys, if you're looking for something to swap out your protein bars with, Because I know a lot of protein bars out there, they just don't taste that great. You want something that actually tastes good, that makes you feel good. Well, you can go to built.com right now, and you can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. You want these cookie dough chunk puffs? You want another flavor we here on the show are big fans of salted caramel? You can get that too. Again, built.com promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. All right, moving along here on the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl, Hanging out with you here. Kentucky versus Miami. 37-13 to 13 dub, like I mentioned earlier. Just kind of a a weird game the way that it paced out with Kentucky taking over in the end, but uh, it seems fairly typical based on the way that we've seen Kentucky season openers go uh, in the Mar- Mark Stoops era. Tavion Robinson. Let's take away a big positive here. Hey, look, if the run game was not going to be going and Kentucky was going to cover, darn it, they needed somebody to step up in that receiver room Wouldn't you know it? Virginia Tech transfer Tavion Robinson. Six receptions, 136 yards, no touchdowns. But he started off the game with a huge 45-yard catch. Yards after catch is something that continued to come up when you talked about Wandale Robinson, the transfer from Nebraska last year. That was a term that came up constantly when talking about him and what he could do for an offense. Tavion Robinson, he said that he wants to stop the comparisons I don't think they're going to. He is his own player. He runs a little bit differently. Like, it's clear that he's, he's a little bit of a different player. But, man, really, really good in space and creating more yards after he gets the ball. We got to see it several times in this game. And I think we're going to see Kentucky lean on him as the season goes on. And just to take away another positive here, something that we talked about, gosh, it might have even been last episode, Talking about how the receiver room, it's young, there's a lot of inexperience, and Kentucky's probably going to have to heavily rely on one or two guys. Well, some of the freshmen I I really liked. Two in particular that we've talked about a little bit here on the show, Dane Key and Barry and Brown. I predict that Dane Key will finish with more receiving yards than Barry and Brown, but both of them played very well on Saturday. Dane Key, four receptions, 53 yards, had that really, really tight one-yard touchdown on that little out route. Uh, at the very end of the game, really, really nice catch. Really, really nice throw. Uh, again, a, a ball that could have been intercepted, but just a really, really nice placement and a, a very, very smooth catch. Barry and Brown uh, had a couple of nice catches. Three receptions, 45 yards, average 15 yards per catch. Had a 38-yard strike late in the game. If I'm not mistaken, it was on a third down. Lavelle Wright, uh, running back for the Wildcats, had a really, really nice pickup and pass pro. And Will Levis with a really, really strong throw. Uh, to the left side of the field. Again, there were moments in this game where you see the pro aspects of this Wildcats offense that we've seen here for a couple of years now where it's just like, okay, having a quarterback back, having all of this this returning production back, having just a scheme that kind of carries over, it's nice. We're getting to see some really, really smooth things improve. It's just the running game wasn't there. (laughs) It just simply wasn't there. The leading rusher, by the way, in this game, Uh, seven carries, 32 yards. That was Cavassier smoke. Um, I don't, this is, I'm saying this and I'm not getting onto Aaron because I, I I think I said the exact same thing. If not, I would have agreed with him. I asked him on the show last Friday over under 200 rushing yards for the Wildcats. And he said, I'm going to have to go over. And he thought that uh, Cavassier smoke or Ramon Jefferson was going to be the guy to kind of lead that group. And, uh, the Wildcats finished with 50. I would have been there right there with him. I'm just... I'm just very surprised, very surprised that the Wildcats weren't able to establish it. And here's the thing. Kentucky was semi forced to throw the ball, and this is a positive here. Kentucky was semi forced to throw the ball, but also they just kind of elected to not run the ball a lot. Like I mentioned earlier, 26 carries in this game total. By the way, if you want to know Ramon Jefferson, two attempts, 10 yards, five yards a carry. I I, I don't know. Kentucky just didn't run the ball a whole lot, and, and the spots that they chose to just weren't very efficient. Regardless, it's nice to see Will Levis perform the way that he did. Whether they have the run game or not, it's nice to see him produce. You want to take away those turnovers, but I think that's where heading into year, his final year, if that's what he is, I think it's kind of you get what you get. And maybe I'm just jumping the gun, and he's going to go like six or seven games without a turnover here. I don't know, but I'm just I'm just projecting. But more here on the rushing attack. A, little, a couple of interesting notes here. After the first drive that Kentucky had, Kentucky's longest rush over the course of their next seven drives was six yards. They had two six-yard rushes. Those were the biggest runs that they had until their final drive of the game, and they had one rush for seven yards. It's just, I don't know why Kentucky wasn't able to get the, get the ground game going. I know a lot of people are leaning towards, well, Chris Rodriguez, man, he would have been, you know, insane uh, for this Kentucky offense to have him. And, man, I hope that he's here for the Florida game. And who knows, by the time this uh, you, you may be listening to this, you may, we may have that answer with the depth chart. But goodness gracious, Kentucky, the offensive line not being able to establish the run, I genuinely would have thought, given the stable backs that Kentucky has, that they would have been able to pick up more than 50 yards. And you may say, well, they didn't really try and run the ball still. Like, 1.9 yards per carry. 1.9 yards per carry. That's, that's just not... that's that's I, want, I don't want to say unacceptable, because Kentucky still won. But can you get away with that against a Florida, against a Tennessee, against a Georgia? South Carolina didn't look great against Georgia State. Can you get away with that against them still? Missouri... I I don't know. I don't know. I still think Kentucky's going to have a good season. I'm not backing off my predictions. And like I said, I think things will improve. It's just weird. Kentucky's pass-run split on first down, by the way, was 11-7. to So 11 pass plays, 7 rush plays. So on first down, they weren't really inclined to run the ball and also slow the game down. Miami, I believe, finished with a couple more minutes in time of possession. They just kind of... I don't know, Kentucky just kind of did what they wanted and threw the ball. It's something that I did not expect in the game plan. And maybe they they saw early that Kentucky just wasn't able to run the ball. And they just kind of just completely just stepped away from it. It's just, it's, again, it's just a weird, it's a weird game. It's a weird game. Barry and Brown with a kickoff return at the beginning of the third quarter to kind of open the floodgates. And then Keydron Smith uh, had a fumble recovery. Tyrell, Tyrell Asian, I believe, was the one that forced the fumble. At least on the stat sheet, he did. But Barry and Brown—that's some—that's some speed. You got to see it. There were young receivers on this on this team. They look nice. They look really good. Dane Key, Barry and Brown—they look smooth. Mark Stoops said it to me at SEC Media Days. He said, "I think this is the most talented receiver room we've had in a while, even though there is some inex- inexperience." Drops continue to be a concern for a couple of these guys. Looking at you, Isaiah Cummings, but it's okay. But, yeah, I'm excited about the future of this receiver room. Now, it's going to be interesting to see who throws them the ball next season, but who cares? Who cares? We're, in, we're one game into this, this season. 62 wins for Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Final note here, Kentucky, that ties the Kentucky record for most wins for a head coach. Mark Stoops is now tied with Bear Bryant against 62 wins. He will be looking to get his 63rd and break that tie this Saturday against the Florida Gators before we get to early thoughts about that matchup and kind of just how we feel about it as a Kentucky fan base. I want to post some questions to you, by the way. Before we get to that, make sure you are subscribed on YouTube. I want to get to 2,500 subscribers. That is the goal. If you have not subscribed... Why wouldn't you? We do a lot of statistical breakdowns. We're going to have people on the show to talk about different Kentucky football and basketball things. We like to answer questions here on the show. So if you've got thoughts about something, we may just start putting together a mailbag that we do every single week. I'm sure that a lot of you would just like to have discussions about different things. But so yeah, subscribe to the YouTube, ch- YouTube channel. And again, if you're listening on podcasts, leave a five-star review. I'm looking for the reviews. I will shout you out. I want to see the five-star reviews. Would appreciate it if you left one. Give your thoughts on the show. You can also do the same over on social media. At LockedOnUK on Twitter is where you can find us. But again, most important thing, even if you're listening on podcasts, come subscribe on YouTube. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked on Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Kentucky versus Florida. Early, early thoughts here. Uh, oh, by the way, and, yo, random, but shout out to Louisville. Shout out to Louisville for, for putting up a whopping seven points against the Syracuse Orange and their season opener. 31-7 to 7 was the final score in that game. Can Louisville made Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker look like the best backfield duo in the ACC? I mean, it was great. It was great. By the way, real quick, uh, fun question here. If you can tell me where Garrett Schrader played before he transferred to Syracuse without looking it up, I'll uh, I'll give you a dollar or a high five in the chat. Don't look it up, though. All right. Kentucky versus Florida. This will be a top 25 matchup. I am very excited about this. We mentioned this whenever we did the schedule preview for the Wildcats. If Kentucky, or excuse me, if Utah won, then this would not have been, obviously, a top 25 matchup. But if Florida had found a way to win, we would be entering this game with a lot more attention on it than maybe previously. You know, thought, of course, you look at the week two slate and you've got like Baylor, BYU, you've got Alabama, Texas. I mean, you've got Pitt, Tennessee outside of those games. Is there another game on the schedule that kind of draws more attention to this? I'm going to be honest. I don't know. Is there going to be another game on the schedule that is more evenly matched than this? I think is the question you have to ask. And I don't know. I don't think there is. This may be the best game on the week two slate. And I don't know where Florida's going to be ranked. I don't know if they're going to be higher than Kentucky. I don't know if they're going to be lower. I'd like to think that both these teams will be ranked inside the top 20. I think that Florida, after beating the number 7 team in the country, probably AP voter, AP voters will start to like shift to that way and raise them up to like 20, 19. They may be, it literally may be a 20 versus 19 matchup. We'll have to see. But it this, this is going to be a fun game. I think this is going to be a fun game. I know that it's going to be difficult. And to be honest with you, I'm not incredibly optimistic about this matchup. Kentucky opens as a five and a half point undergo- underdog versus Florida, according to our friends over at Bet Online. And considering Florida, they really impressed in areas that I-, I think many thought they couldn't execute in against the against the Utah Utes. If you did not catch that game, you have to go watch some of the highlights from that from that matchup. It, it was just the swamp was insane. Anthony Richardson, while statistically not the most impressive night, had his moments. And uh, I I think that's what you, I think that's the first thing you have to get to talking about early thoughts is can Kentucky handle Anthony Richardson? Can UK contain him? Can they contain him? Because we saw against Miami of Ohio, and I I don't think it translates, I don't think all stats and film translates over exactly the same game to game, especially early on in the season. But if Kentucky was unable to consistently corral Brett Gabbert, which I mean they got three sacks on him, are they going to be able to do it against AR? Are they going to be able to do it against Anthony Richardson? I think that's a question you have to ask. I'm not sitting here saying they're not going to be able to, but it's a question. A very, very difficult player to contain had over 100 yards rushing against Utah, did not throw a touchdown, but he had three on the ground. He's a true dual threat, and I know Kentucky fans may, may be sitting here saying, why are you hyping up this kid? He's not that good of a passer. He's got a strong arm, not that good of a passer. I've kind of, since I saw him enter the, the league this last year, I believe it was a game against Florida Atlantic. I saw him, and I immediately, and I think a lot of people said the same thing. Other, other people have compared him to other players. I think he looks like a young Dak Prescott. That's what I think he looks like. If he can get his if he can get his arm under control, that's a young Dak Prescott Kentucky is going up against, and that's going to be hard to stop, especially in his home stadium. That's going to be tough. So that's one early thought. Can Kentucky contain Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson? Another thing we have to think about here is following trends. If we are following trends, Kentucky's second FBS game under Mark Stoops in 2017. So you look past you look. Uh, Excuse me, over the the last five years, since 2017, Kentucky's second game of the season or their second game against FBS competition, every single game that they've played since 2017, game two, they've been good in. These stats are from Adam Luckett of KSR, found this in a tweet that he put out just a couple days ago. Kentucky, again, second FBS game of the season since 2017. and 2017, Kentucky in game two played South Carolina. They were five point underdogs. Kentucky won by ten. In 2018, Kentucky was uh, 13 point underdogs on the road at Florida. Kentucky won 27 to 16. In 2019, Kentucky was a 15 point favorite against Eastern Michigan. Kentucky won 38 to 17. This is what we're talking about with those MAC games. It's always in the high 30s for Kentucky, and it's just somewhere underneath 20 for the for the uh, for the MAC team. In 2021, game two, Kentucky was favored. By five against Missouri at home, they won thirty-five to twenty-eight. So Kentucky, historically over the past past five seasons, can't talk. They've uh, they've been good, and they've covered. They won outright as well. So five and a half point underdogs. Does that does maybe those do maybe those trends kind of even things out? Kind of make people feel better, like well Kentucky makes adjustments quickly and then they go out and execute in the the following game regardless of how good the opponent is? I mean, that's something to definitely look at. Of course, I think a lot of people, including myself, would kind of take a step back and be like, can you really rely on past year statistics to predict what's going to happen this year? I mean, sometimes you can. Sometimes it's not fair to do that. So that's another thing you have to think about, early thoughts here. And then the final, final thought here, just an early, early thought... How does Kentucky's offensive line hold up against Florida's defensive line? Kentucky, or excuse me, Florida didn't have a sack on Utah quarterback Cameron Rising last week, or last game, excuse me. Well, by the time y'all are listening to this, it is last week. So no sacks on, on Utah, but still, I'm not entirely thrilled about how Kentucky's offensive line played. And Florida's got a couple of dogs. They got a couple of dogs up front. How does Kentucky hold up? Well, actually, I don't think that's my final thought. I guess the biggest thing here, and some of you may talk about this, is does Kentucky have Chris Rodriguez? And if they do, uh, what does he look like in this game? Is he that that valuable to the offense that they need him in order to kind of turn the corner? I don't know. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. Again, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I want to pose some questions to you guys. What are your early thoughts about this game? What are your thoughts about the Miami game? And do any of the things that you saw concern you? Because at the end of the day, some of them do for me, but at the same time, it's game one. So you can't really put a ton of stock into it, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't want to sit here and be worried and say, well, the sky's falling and we're going to go 7-5 and five and everything stinks. Like, no, there, there are games on Kentucky schedule I actually feel better about now than I did uh a few days ago, I'm specifically looking at that Ole Miss game, if I'm being honest with you, but anyway, just leave your thoughts in the YouTube comments below, or again on the socials. If you're listening on podcast at locked on UK. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance. Stahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, even in the YouTube comments, Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.